0: to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Droszemski.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth, and man, we, uh, we are, oh, we are, man. yeah, we got holiness sitting across I, from the booth. I the am so
2: excited. I can barely contain myself.
1: Yeah, you can barely contain I yourself. I know I speak for say.
2: many other guys out there. It's one of, them, one of my heroes is, is amongst us. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Well, then you tell people who this is. Well, it's Brother Joel McGraw taught me at uh, Christian Brothers High School a long time ago. And I know there's a lot of fellows out there that just absolutely uh, adore Brother Joel. So welcome, Brother Joel. Thank you.
1: Brother Joel, it's so good to have you here. Uh, and as uh, Tom, did you mention that Brother uh, was a member of the Christian Brothers, we formerly known as the Brothers of the Christian Schools, right? Mm-hmm. right? What is that order and what is that order all about?
3: A year ago, I was in Reims, France. Our novitiate class was celebrating 45 years in the Brothers. And a year ago, we were at the spot in Reims where our founder, Saint De La Salle, met a layman named Adrian Niel.
1: You're talking about St. John
3: Baptist de La Salle. John Baptist de La Salle, our founder. And while he was there, he met by accident a man named Adrian Niel who was trying to establish schools for poor boys in France. And that instant, I was at that at the very door doorpost where he met him and expressed uh, interest in what this work was, and his whole life took a different turn. From meeting him, this man. So I and, guess
1: that was really special for you to be in that little place in history, right, and also a, sort of maybe to reconnect with the uh, with the founder, right? I
3: had studied this forty five years in books, but then to be at that very mm-hmm. spot, that was a great moment in my life. I always said I will never return there because you could not re- duplicate that special moment. It was.
1: I told my wife I would never marry again because <laughs>
3: <laughs> very Same thing with a special very special moment. <laughs> yeah. And we call ourselves today the Brothers of the Christian Schools because that was his intent, to give a Christian education to youth. At that time, it was limited to the teaching of boys. And about 1972, Tom, around the time when we were together, yep. the Institute opened doors also to teaching girls. But the theme of the Institute is to give a Christian education to, of youth with a preference to, to boys who are in difficulties, particularly if they're in financial difficulties. We try to follow through with that today as it is. We've well,
1: Why it. do you think that St. John Baptist de La Salle really – I know you say he waited for divine providence to sort of let him know what his calling was to be or what his ministry or focus was to be, but – do you think that there was uh, that he had a goal in mind when he started this
3: process? I don't think he ever had any vocation other than that of being a priest. His family directed him in that uh, path. But then this meeting of Niel and then seeing the needs, and as he went through life, he just realized this was so critical a need. He would end up to be the only priest in the Institute. Every time they voted on having a priest, it would be voted down. He was prepared to ordain one of the brothers, Brother Henri Leroux. Shortly before his ordination, the man died, and the founder took that as a sign. There would be no Ah. priest in the order. And to this day, the Institute remains. We're called a a congregation of lay religious. So you have no priests. There are no priests in the Institute. The brothers do not receive holy orders. We are... Simple uh, vows, of poverty, chastity, obedience, stability, and teaching of the poor gratuitously. Those are our, and association, those are our vows. And people say, well, why did you become a brother rather than a priest? And I felt uh, to this day, and I've been attracted to the community life of the brothers, the prayer life, the devotion to God, the the teaching, and the impact on, on the life of youth. I have not had an attraction to the uh, sacramental ministry. I feel it is a, a different vocation than mine. Uh, well, we know that, the word vocation
1: mm-hmm. comes from vocari, right? Mm-hmm. To a call. Mm-hmm. And so obviously a vocation is something that you're called by God to do. And so I know that God has called some men to be priests. Mm-hmm. He's called some men to be married. He's called some men uh, to the Christian brothers.
3: Right. In my, in my life, my cousin was a sister of charity of Nazareth. And she went to heaven about uh, three Augusts ago. Her vocation was very special in life, and I was raised by the Sisters of Charity here in Memphis. And I, their vocation, again, very similar to the brothers, teaching, community life, prayer, devotion to God, devotion to the church. I figure, well, they're women. I was a boy That's out. But then when I went, I begged my parents to go to Memphis Catholic uh, at the end of the eighth grade because most of the boys at Sacred Heart were going there and I figured it would take a lot of pressure off me if I just go to Catholic. They said, no, you're going to the brothers. Well, that little, that's another little sign of providence. A tiny decision by my parents in 1959 changed my whole life because then I, I got to the brothers and saw they were doing the same thing, the prayer life, the community, the teaching, the devotion to others, a cause. I've always wanted to give my life to a purpose,
1: how long have you been associated with the Christian Brothers?
3: August of 59 was when I met the first brothers and then entered them in June of 1964. And I've, n- I've been very fortunate. I've never had a doubt about it. The only night I wanted to leave was the first night. I was so scared. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, I've, I've always felt this this is what it was. When I visited the novitiate in May of 64, before I entered I spent the weekend with the novices, and it was a great weekend. And I remember that Sunday before leaving, uh, coming back from communion, and I remember having that moment when I thought, "I look, I know, Lord, this this is what this is what I want to do." One of those few times when you just you just know. You know when mm-hmm. God gives
1: you that affirmation, that's such a blessing because a lot of people don't mm-hmm. get that affirmation no, or they don't recognize it. It's so
3: refreshing and. I've never lost that. So I consider myself one of the luckiest people to have that sign from Providence. All, you know, the newspaper wasn't interested in this. There were no big thunderbolts. It was all little tiny things, Those, those little stories, those little teeny things. You have to be attentive to that. I tell you know, it's the, the little that.
1: things. The little things are the things that mm-hmm. actually lead to the big things. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that those little things. I don't want to say they're warnings, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're uh, ways that we can see what's getting ready to
3: happen. The founder with that was his whole thing. He watched what happened in his daily life. That's the way God talks to us.
1: Well, you know, also one of the great things about uh, like Ignatius of Loyola, uh, Saint Ignatius used to teach that that we would see judge, I guess, the the goodness of something or whether God ordained it by its fruits. And so you were able to look at the fruits mm-hmm. of your life as you're going along here. And maybe this is one of the reasons why you were you were blessed with having no doubts, because the fruits were there. I mean, you were definitely seeing that the things that you were doing, that you were involved in, the things that the brothers were, were doing, were having positive effects on the community and on, on these young men who were growing up to be... Uh, uh, valuable members of our society
3: when you make thanksgiving after communion one of my comments th- I thank you Lord that I exist for my family my background my Catholic faith the sisters the brothers who have taught me the lay people I have been I have been so lucky that I, I always hope that when I'm old I hope I will not forget the blessings that I've had because I've had people like Tom Dory in my life who have let me know <laughs> this, this, Tom will this, make this, you this old though be careful you sit too close to him <laughs>
1: Although you're, you're, you're such a young man. Did you man, see his mouth drop
2: open when you said that?
1: He was in shock. I was in shock. But I'm, you know what? I, I grow. I, I learn new things every day. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. Slowly. Um, this is wonderful. We have more to talk about. The Christian Brothers in just a second. We're going to come back after this little short break. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com and also I'd like people to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and so with that come back and see us.
4: I'm Bess Droszemski and this is another great moment in church history. Throughout the 2,000 year history of the Catholic Church, there have been countless miraculous occurrences, documented and approved, that demonstrate the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and serve to strengthen the belief of those whose faith has fallen into despair. One such occurrence took place in a small town in Italy called Lanciano. Lanciano is said to be the birthplace of Longinus the Roman centurion who pierced the side of Christ at the crucifixion. In Italian, Laziano means of the spear. It happened that on one seemingly ordinary Sunday in the year 750, a priest was saying Holy Mass. But this was to be no ordinary Mass. The priest was plagued by doubts of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, he no longer believed that the bread and wine were transformed into the body and blood of our Lord. After the consecration, however, he noticed something odd. No, something miraculous. What lay before him on his paten was an actual piece of living flesh, and what was contained in his chalice was real human blood. Instantly, his faith in the real presence was restored. The eyewitness accounts recorded from that time tell us that this holy priest began to weep bitterly with regret from ever having doubted, but soon the weeping turned to tears of joy at the miracle that God allowed him to personally experience. His doubt was never to return. In fact, this miraculous occurrence still serves to strengthen the faith of believers today. The precious relics from that Holy Mass in the year 750 are still preserved in a church in Lanciano today. As recent as 1970, a scientific analysis was done on the flesh and blood. This study confirmed that the host, which had transformed into flesh, consists of muscle tissue from the human heart, and the precious blood is type AB. The same type, by the way, of the bloodstains found on the Shroud of Turin. Christ is indeed really and truly present. Body, blood, soul, and divinity in the sacred host consecrated at the hands of the priest at Holy Mass. He is present. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm Vester Zimski and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the
1: Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, sitting here with Brother Joel McGraw. Now, Brother Joel, have you ever been in such luxury in all your life?
3: I live in these rooms. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful experience. And we're so blessed to have you here at the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> so we were just talking about basically sort of the history of uh, the Brothers of the Christian Schools. Um, and obviously that that history is uh, it's not over with. Uh, obviously, you guys are still devoted to what you do. And you talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, you've thought about your own life and your decision to to become a Christian brother and to, to stay tried and true to that, the ministry, the charism of the brothers, um, and that you haven't had any regrets. And that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I think that I don't even have to say that, and Tom can say it because Tom experienced firsthand Uh, brother joel's gift have you not
2: oh it's it's phenomenal and so
1: and you're not alone there's there's hundreds of families and i'm not talking about this is not a brother joel you know happy fest here and talk about how wonderful he is but i think again when i was talking earlier about saint ignatius of loyola and the fruits i mean you can look at the fruits of our own little community here and see that the christian brothers have done a good thing in our community Uh, and i think that's an awesome thing now in terms of what the school does you're primarily involved in a high school, Christian Brothers High School, educating young men. In the, You're situated in the Diocese of Memphis. Um, what kind of effect does that school have on our community and on the young men that come there to be educated?
3: The brothers from different places came, and four of them came to Memphis in, in November of 71. And we were able to buy the Memphis Female Academy that on Adams that uh, had gone under, and we bought that building. We lived at Saint Peter's, and also with the Shea family, and opened that school in November of 1871. It was Christian Brothers. College. Were you there at the time? No, I, there are days when I feel that way. But it was a college, it was a high school, and a and a, a middle school, a grade school. I'll hit him, brother. And, when we did. and that mission, you know, again was to give Christian education to youth. And we stayed on Adams 69 years. We were at 612 Adams next to Juvenile Court. I guess that was kind of appropriate. Uh, for 69 years yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we were on Parkway for 25 years and then we've been on Walnut Grove Road at, in, for uh, 45 years. So you've been uh, 130 some odd yes. years? Mm-hmm. You've been in the city of Memphis right. doing but, what you do. Alright, the college stayed open until the First World War. We made it through three fever epidemics. We made it through financial panics. But the war pretty much did end the college. Its charter stayed on but they had to close the college classes and they never really got opened, reopened until 1940 and eventually by the 50s we were able to the four-year degree instituting institution was reopened then we separated charters in 1965 and separated the college from the high school because it was just too many people on one campus and both institutions are flourishing today and we, you say the effect of the school. I've been. I keep the class list. I've had about six thousand students now in my lifetime, and I look over and I. Still, are you
1: haunted by any of those? By the way,
3: most of them are good haunts. They very you, good. You hear from them. You hear things, and and the boys write to you. They call. They visit i'm so lucky i asked brother Stephen years ago when i had tom because i said this all i do is correct people it just is this he said just wait for a few years wait for a few years and i have waited and you realize it comes to fruition i have the pleasure of teaching every year uh boys who are their dads i had i'll know it's be it'll be time to start thinking of retirement when i have the grandchildren uh-huh. also, but not religious usually are not allowed to stay in one place that long and i've been 36 years in three assignments here in memphis and i again the blessings i have are so great i hope i never forget them i hope somebody be around there if i start complaining say look at the blessings you've had because you see in the lives of these students what the good that you can do. I keep the little notes at the times that they'll write and say what you did for me. And as I get older, I find the most humbling thing is not so much that they say what a tremendous teacher you were. You spoke to me. You took time to speak to me because teenagers, a lot of times, they may appear smug. They just want somebody interested in them. If you show that you've got an interest in them, and, and again, they don't want to be around you a long time. They want to come up uh, and visit, and then and move away. But that little visit every day, I find the the power of the apostolate of standing in the hall. Right. Uh, even though you, you you have to teach, you have to do a good job. You're administrator. But that time when you when you speak to people, because a lot of days no one's interested in that boy. And somebody calls him, there's the great Dorian or something. And he, some people, well, there's a little bit of BS there. But it's not true. He said, what do you mean I'm can great? Can we say BS on Catholic Radio? Absolutely. I said, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I said absolutely. Uh, Bachelor of Science. Yes, all right. Good. That's what he, I was thinking. I said, no. He said, what do you mean I'm great? I said, God made you. Doesn't that make you great? Yeah. I said, okay, you're great. Go on. And But that little bit of attention, <laughs> if you can get the teachers to pay attention to people, because that's really... They're so desperate. So many of our families are ruptured today. It's it's the central. If I had a microphone for the planet, I'd. Get, will you please, when you get married, have these children, love their mothers, and uh, and raise the children and love them. It's all most of our problems would evaporate. But that's not the case today. Our, we live in Shelby County where so many families are ruptured. So that our work is just multiple. They expect the teacher to do so much. Your heart goes out to school, to public school teachers who work very hard, and they have classrooms filled of children who are not loved. And when you have that, your whole equation changes. They'll mm. say, have things changed over the past uh, 35 years of teaching here? The change has been that... Their family life almost sometimes does not exist they don 't eat together they don 't they don 't even associate they 've become uh, so preoccupied with electronic devices, which are good they 're doing a great job at the same time there are some people who have substituted people and they 've substituted this electric life they even let them have them at table no one 's interested in them.
1: The challenges nowadays are even more Phenomenal. difficult and it 's so much. I guess it's so much harder f- to raise a kid, especially a young man, in today's world than maybe it ever was. I, I ran across this old quote from St. John Baptist de La Salle, which was uh, – this is – I know that kids have always had a tendency to do things maybe that <clears throat> require some sort of discipline. Mm-mm. And this is what uh, – uh, in the rules of Christian manners <laughs> and sensibility in yeah. 1695 – this is what Saint De La Salle saw as a problem. He said, "Children are guilty of unpardonable rudeness when they spit in the face of a companion. Neither are they excusable who spit from windows or on walls or furniture." You know, and so but around 1700 AD, these were the issues. But he it's did no not, different
3: today. Either. Well,
1: I understand, but he didn't have to deal with the the the, the, the loss of fatherhood or the broken mm-hmm. families as much, maybe as we really mm-hmm. see that as a really serious issue that we have to contend with well, and we, that you do every we day. We have to
3: still work with civility, you know, because they, they won't care a handkerchief. They'll use their necktie or something like that. But right. uh, <laughs> a lot of that civility, but that whole kindness to one another and loving, because, again, you ask them, don't please don't hate your father don't hate your mother you don't have to like your father or mother that's not commanded you got to love them because don't ruin your marriage or whatever vocation you're going to follow you'll ruin it if you hate your family and so you're working on that sometimes you think what about the spirituality of youth today i look at our own st louis parish where i live i see a lot of times at the 7:30 mass on sundays you'll see you still see families coming with their teenage boys they come to mass now they're not maybe genuflecting. They may not make the act of adoration. They may be distracted. But the fact that they're together, that, that's, an, that's a lifelong influence. If they can eat together, if their parents uh, support them, those are such important things. The search retreat today is still, uh, at our school, it's a very popular thing. Boys are crushed if they don't get to be table eaters someday because right. the search has been incredibly important And you hope and pray that more and more boys will make it. The curcio for the adults has been, is alive and well in this diocese. You see, and I see the leaders of the curcio movement. A lot of them are Brothers Boys. This parish where I live, the people who run this parish are Brothers Boys. So you see an influence. Uh, Yes, occasionally we send transcripts to prisons where some of our boys have ended up and are looking for early parole, but. There, those numbers are outweighed by the number of, of people who are good family. You go to their weddings. You go to their, the funerals of their parents. You go to them at the hospital. All of those little apostolates, it's those teeny things, the phone call that you make to a boy on the anniversary of his father's death, all of those little things, um, that's what adds up to an effect on people that you have and that you can have, and anyone can do that.
1: Well, sitting right next to you, Tom Doran, you mentioned that Tom is a brother's boy, and Tom spent a lot of time there at uh, Christian Brothers High School in Memphis, Tennessee. Tom, what was it like for you? I mean, what has been your experience, I guess, post-graduation? I know that you and I have had conversations where I talk a lot about my high school years like I'd never want to go back, or I don't know that I got anything. I don't feel like I was a part of something in my high school, whereas I think you have a different feeling about your high school years in formation.
2: Well, going to the brothers first of all is a rite of passage. I think in most people's minds, it's and once you get get through there, you kind of join a fraternity of brothers, boys like like Brother Joel mentioned earlier. But but the one thing that he talked about, and and I think it it really is true, is they are there because of love. I mean, they are they are they're loving um, young young boys and turning them into men. And um, I think I think you don't see that when you're there, but once you become a man and have a family or go about your business, you you start to realize that, and and uh, that's what I got out of it. It's just a phenomenal experience, greatest experience I ever had in my life, and um, I've got my boys going there. So,
3: and your own dad went to the brothers in he Kansas did. City. So he uh, did. Brother Leander, who taught your father in Kansas City, then taught you here in Memphis. Right. Texas. And I remember at your dad's funeral, I'll always remember the quotation when your dad told y'all or something. Take care of your mother, love your mother. That, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. That the the devotion and yours family, like all of us, you have your pluses and minuses, and you and you have uh, this love in your family. Then you know that the brothers have had a, a little corner in your life. That's such an honor. If I walked off the street and this end of the school and stood there, that's not going to do anything. You have to pay your dues Mm -hmm. and and you give your life to that cause and then people will come back I think recently and I've not been a great friend of the internet a lot of times but last Sunday I was looking at it a lady emailed me from New York did not she says you don't know me I'm so and so and so and And, uh, I was friends with Mona Barziza Mona and Frank Barziza I knew them before they got married And I thought, just I'm going to sit at my computer. I'd lost touch with them. And so she typed in Frank Barziza. Well, she found out about the import company. She typed in Mona and Frank Barziza, and up came your talk on vocations that you gave in 2002, brother, at St. Louis. I thought, who in the world would find that thing? (laughs) And you had mentioned Mona and Frank Barziza, now in heaven. And she says, when I saw that, my heart sank. But then I read on, and how you talked about how their boys had become good fathers and husbands mm-hmm. and, and, and that their family was doing so well. She says, that meant so much to me, and I'm writing to you or you know, emailing you and let you know about it. And then I contacted uh, the boys and let them know about this. Well, you never know the influence that you have, those, those little things, just a little vocation talk, mm-hmm. that uh, influenced some lady in New York years later, helped her connect. We always have to, I think, the, the holiness of every moment, the reverence of every moment, you're trying to teach that to the boys. Don't pass over these opportunities, just like the opportunity to speak to somebody, to pray for someone, to remember that person at Holy Communion. Those are the little miracles every day. Not, there's no magic in them. It's like there's no magic in the Eucharist. It's real. You're with all of those people. You are with Jesus Christ. Uh, and our founder, St. Della Salle stressed that. Those boys are Jesus Christ, and and you let most of your affection and devotion go to the ones who are the poorest, the meanest, the ones who they're the ones who need you so desperately because they are Jesus Christ. Mm
1: -hmm. It's the simple things, it's the little things, and out of that simplicity, really comes the that unfathomable grace of Mm -hmm. God. We see all of that, the power uh, that comes out of that simplicity, don't Mm -hmm. we? That's beautiful. Uh, Brother Joel, thank you so much for spending time and, and sharing with us your thoughts on the uh, being a, a member of this uh, wonderful uh, group, uh, the Brothers of the Christian Schools or the Christian Brothers. Um, and so we, we, we're, we're going have to have to come back and talk some more because I know there's lots more stuff that you'd love to talk about.
3: What an honor to be with you.
1: Very good. Thank you. Now, we're going to close in prayer as we always do. In the name of the Father, Father and Son, of the, the Son, and, Spirit, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord. Amen. And Heavenly Father, you have given our world the gift of life especially present in the gift of new life, our children. Help us to see your grace in every child of God and grant us the sense of purpose to love them, nurture them, and educate them in the faith of your church. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
3: St. John Baptist de La Salle. Pray for us. Live Jesus in our hearts. Forever.
0: Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Deacon Jeff at